I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you haven't visited yet, drdishbasketball.com, you're missing out on some great resources there. Included in those are a shooting drill series that I've designed for you to use with your players here in the preseason. For each drill, you'll find a diagram, explanation, and also a video of the drill. To find those, just simply visit the drdishbasketball.com website and click on blog from the drop-down menu. You'll see all of those there. Again, that's drdishbasketball.com. A special guest today from across the pond joining us today is Coach Francesco Nani, assistant coach for Scafati. Coach, thanks for staying up late to make this happen. Oh, don't worry. It's my pleasure, Tony. You know, people don't know that we have been trying to, you know, to do this podcast since the early day in the pandemics. And we were never, never able to connect, to find the right date. And then the season started over and it was a big mess. And now finally, after a year, we are able to do this. Hopefully the worst day of the pandemics are behind us. That's right. Perseverant is probably the word that could be described uh, for behind this podcast episode. People don't really know what happens a lot of times behind the scenes. And sometimes I think this is the longest that it's taken for us to make something happen for me to make something happy with somebody. But I'm super glad that that you're joining us today. I think especially offensive minded coaches are really going to enjoy today's show. We're diving into attacking switching defenses and some of the modern concepts used by teams across the globe. Let me say here for those listening, this is one of those episodes that you may want to go back and watch at least parts of this because we're going to have some visuals and some films and coach is going to show some really cool things here. Um, You can visit my YouTube page and find those. It's Tony Miller coach. So youtube.com slash Tony Miller coach, as well as on Twitter, we'll try to post some of these on there as well. With, With that being said, Coach, just to clarify here, when we say switching defenses, what are we referring to? I mostly am studying because I think it's a super interesting topic. It's trending both in Europe and in the NBA, the switching on ball screen action, because ball screen are the predominant source of offense, at least in Europe, but also in the NBA. And you see more and more switching, especially in the playoff, especially when teams get to know each other very well. And I haven't seen... And I haven't come up with that either. A good system to attack switching defense. We have uh, coverage solutions for almost everything. We say, okay, against the hard edge, we're going to do this, like a short roll and blah, blah, blah. Or against the drop coverage, we can, we can have this set of tools. Against a, switch, a switching defense, I've found that there's more uh, confusion in our mind, mind, mind first. So what I've been trying to study is different ways and how can we teach it to our players in a way that that's coherent you know because maybe we have too many ideas sometimes and we say oh against the switching you can do this and also this and this and then uh, we are all over the place and we are not coherent and clear with the players what's the priority it's personal based it's maybe time based how many seconds are there in the shot clock Uh, it depends based on the opponents maybe they have a great Big man who is able to stay with our guards, but their guards switching in our big man is not so so physical. So like there's a lot of different factors in that. Do you feel like there are some main reasons why it can be hard to attack switching defenses? Yeah, I think that a lot of uh, the modern basketball offense is generated by putting two defenders on the ball. 
can be usually by ball screen or off screen action. Basically, imagine a ball screen, you play against drop coverage for a moment, you have two defenders taking care of the same offensive player because one defender is on my back and now the defender is in front of me. There's the roller, somebody's gonna help on the roller maybe, somebody's gonna tag a little bit and you can start these dominoes or closeout session by you know passing to the open man or against you know the aggressive coverage, you have two defenders on the ball. If you're able to pass the ball behind them, you have a four against three. With the switching defense, you don't have those clear advantage in the beginning. You have a, a mismatch advantage, but, but you always have a defender about in front of you, and you don't have those easy mechanisms to start dominoes, to start uh, you know, uh, incredible long passing and one dribble, one pass, one dribble, one pass session. I want coaches to think of this. Um, I think you've described it this way, but what you're going to give us here is not like it's not its own thing you're suggesting actually that this be part of like our over offensive philosophy. You know, I, I, this isn't like, okay, here they're switching. Now we need to stop and, and do this differently. Is that, is that right? Yeah. I think that, you know, as every coverage you have to uh, add in your mind and in the, the tool bag, in the toolkit of your team, the right tools to, to punish it. If the tools are coherent with, for example, if you're able to, put some ideas that are good for drop coverage and also for switching defense, you are teaching one thing that's going to be useful in two different situations. So for example, I'm a big believer in uh, against switching, just dive right into the topic to screen below the defender and trying to make like a back pivot and be immediately available for the pass starting the roll. So that can be a situation where you can use a pocket pass and it's the same skill, the same read, that you can apply against a drop coverage because it's the same type of pass. Uh, obviously, if you're not able to do that, you're going to start rolling deeper. And in that, we're going to start using the concept of triangles to try to, if you want to play for the mismatch inside. So for example, while the ball is flying to, let's say, the my teammate on the back of the pick and roll, something that we stress for the big man is while the ball is flying, you have to keep contact with your man to seal, do not continue to move into space, but while the ball is flying, you have to keep contact. So this is useful for us both in a drop coverage or against a switching defense. So the more we are able to use concepts that are familiar to our players, the better it is. But obviously you have to introduce some concepts that are specific to switching defense as it is for aggressive coverages or drop coverage. So let's go ahead and talk about some of those specifics. Why don't you go ahead and talk about the principles for attacking defenses? And okay. then in addition to that, you can go ahead and show the film that goes along with it. I'm sure that'll kind of back up or explain further some of the things you're talking about. So first of all, I will start by saying before going to the video, that's something that we are stressing all the time with our players. The first practice that we introduce is switching defense is that too many times, especially in Europe, Big men, when they run to set a screen and they know that the defense is going to switch, are kind of lazy and they are going there, setting the screen, what we call accepting the switch. Like we accept that the defense is going to switch and then we try to play after the switch. And obviously that's going to happen most of the time. But if we are going to use some tools, and I'm going to show some of those, to be able that, let's say, two times out of 10, maybe three times out of 10, the defense is not able to get a clean switch this is a huge win for us. So sometimes we can have a reject by the guard. 
we can try the big man is still running so it's going to be arriving alone and you have those little windows that's going to be you know loosen up a little bit the switching defense maybe they want to switch aggressive up to touch they're going to create more distance or maybe i'm going to flip the angle of the screen at the last moment and my guard is able to go and create momentum to attack reject is a master tool against every coverage but it's super important against switching defense because what happens sometimes is that the defender is already leaning in into the big man because he's trying to go look for the contact, being able to switch immediately. So if you reject at that specific moment, that's super useful. Even on the reject, I'm guessing that you're teaching your players to look at the defender and see for him to be leaning that direction, right? That would be a teaching point yeah. as far as the yeah. guy with the ball, what he should be looking at. Yeah, because what gonna, what happened often is that when the defense is about to switch, they are not as aggressive on the ball as we, as maybe defensive coaches would like. They are starting to lean into the contact. They are avoid, They are afraid of the slip, so they try to look for the contact with the big man. And that is the moment where you can reject. This next clip is something that I really like, and it's perfectly useful for a pick and roll situation where we know that the defense is going to switch. So this, for example, is a 4-5 pick and roll by Denver. And what you can see is that the, he's going to touch immediately and then roll. And why this is effective? Because think about it. When we usually teach a switching defense, what do we say to our players? You switch only in the moment of the contact. So you don't sleep. You don't sleep earlier. You go there, you touch, you do something that we call activate the coverage, and you're out of the way immediately. And you always see the defender pointing at each other. No, it was your fault. No, but he didn't really screen me. Yeah, but he touched you. You have to switch on the touch, blah, blah, blah. This is a great to create, you know, uh, opposing player yelling at each other. So this is another example. Guard-to-guard pick-and-roll. It's a completely bad spacing if you think about it. But it touch and you roll immediately. And that's a big window for the pass. This is in Europe. So my fellow European coaches can see that it works also in Europe and not just in the NBA. Because you know that between European coaches, there is this big tendency of saying, yeah, but this only works in the NBA. It's like, don't play defense over there. I think it's not it's not real. They play defense. It's different, but they play defense. So here is I touch. Here, probably an offensive foul is pushing me off, but he's rolling into space. I would guess too that when you do the touch, a lot of times the defense hasn't, like you said, it's not. It hasn't activated the the dominoes, so the help isn't able to be there in time to even help on any kind of roll like that. Yeah, I completely agree. Now we go to the, the main dish, okay? Most of the time, we were not going to be able to beat the defense. At the moment of the screen, we want to go after the switch. Now, the switch has happened. We are not able to punish it immediately. We have to do something after it. This is a very important part for me. So for the guard, we have to understand best position if we want to let them go one-on-one. And then we're going to show you some specific action to, to attack it. And for the big, it's super important, this idea to win the space. And win the space means that if you're guarding me, I want you to be or completely below me or completely in front of me. I need to know that. If you're my big man and your defender is going around you wherever he wants, we are never going to be able to pass you the ball. And you're going to be sitting on the bench very, very early in the game. I will start by saying this. When... 
you start at the beginning of the season deciding what's your philosophy on attacking the switch, it, depending on your personnel, you have to decide. I will put you, I will present you two extreme. So on one side, maybe if you have James Harden, your philosophy after the switch is going to be, is great. It's going to create bucket for everybody one-on-one. So simply, we're going to stop the offense and he's going to play one-on-one. He can be a dominant guard or a dominant big. So let's say that I have Shaquille O'Neal in my prime, in his prime. Okay, after every switch, if they if they dare to switch, we have to punish them. We can. It's impossible for us to think that one possession goes when there is a little guy on Shaq and we didn't throw him the ball. But if I have a different type of team, maybe a great offensive team, let's say the the Warriors, and my strength is more in ball movement, in having different options, great all-star player, but I don't necessarily have, let's take away KD for the moment there, pre-KD Warriors, that ISO scorer, but I have more quality in my ball movement. Okay, that is the other extreme. They were great at not stopping the ball against the switches and simply continuing to run their offense super quickly, super quickly, until the, def- their, until the defense commit a mistake and then somebody's open. So these are the two extremes. In between, you can shape the philosophy of your team in the way that you prefer. It depends on your player, it depends on your league, the, you know, the referee in your league, you know, there are differences. Maybe they, in, in our league, it's very hard to throw the ball to the post with bigs against guard because it's very easy to be called for offensive foul because the, the, the small guard flop and the referee always goes with that. That's very common. So we have to, this is just an example to make things, you have to think also about the level of your league. Now, let's go straight into that. On the perimeter, this is the switch, the spacing that you will see in the NBA most of the time, except is James Sarden, he likes to prefer, he likes to play with a different spacing when there is a mismatch on the court that they want to attack. They have three players on the baseline, the big man in the dunker spot, corner, corner, and the other guard is like 1.5 gap away. It's not a single gap away from the ball handler. This is the space where they have the more space to attack for him and to operate and to attack the rim. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's huddle.com assist to learn more. The boomerang action, I also wrote an article about that. Uh, I can suggest everybody to read it on my Medium uh, page. Is the classical action when you pass the ball out of the switch and then back to the guard to attack the big man. There are different layers of that. It can be a terrible action or it can be a very good offensive action. So something that I very much don't like is this. This, okay, so now a switch has happened. He's calling somebody out, passing the ball, he passed the ball back. So no movement is created, no misdirection. This is simply an action because, oh, the coach told me to pass the ball, and now I have the ball back and I can attack. 
but there is no movement created. Now, he's going to beat his man in this clip, but it's not because of the action. He could have attacked him before. The next clip is a little bit different. He passed the ball, and he's passing the ball back immediately, but at least he's already running downhill to attack in a dynamic catch. So still, there's not a lot of misdirection on the passer. You will see better clips later, but already the offensive player is attacking immediately. He tried to attack immediately. He was not able to pass back, but now Capella has to defend him while going outside. As you know, it for your defensive coach, it's very hard to you know play a close-up defense instead of playing a static one-on-one. This is something that I like even better because it forces the defense to worry on the two sides of the mismatch. The ball goes here, and he is looking inside at the other side of the mismatch. He's not doing the big man is not doing a great job sealing in. But look at here. Now the defender cannot be worried only about his offensive player. So look at how hard it is for him. He's a perimeter player against a guard. And he's also having to think about his teammate. So he has to think a lot of stuff. Pass back and attack. Now, this is my favorite concept. And I'm so proud because yesterday my team did it. I will share a clip that is secret only for, for you and your listener later. So what's happening here is that, okay, switch on the pick and roll and ball to the wing. Here, this is not a switch. This is Kola who is old as hell against the Thomas. So he has no mismatch. What he's doing is attacking with one dribble over the mismatch. And now the defender, the switching defender, is going to stun. Even if this one-on-one has no way to go at the rim, he is stunting. Mithov, rightly so, is giving space. And now he has to make a close-up defense. So okay. this is a pick and roll in the beginning of the play. There is a switch. Now our guard is dribbling back against the big man. And he is rolling inside. But now focus on this. The ball goes here, and this player, who is guarded by a great one-on-one player, immediately attack toward the switch. And now I know that, in theory, the big man should think, oh, I'm already guarding a great player. I don't have to help. I don't have to stand. I will stay close to him. But it never happened. In the heat of a moment, it will never happen. That big man, especially because big men are used to stand to play a protective defense for everyone, they will stand every time toward a drive. So you create a great one-on-one opportunity attacking a close-up. And here, it's an open trade. So this is a concept that I really suggest players and coach to start thinking about. So a defense, we start from the assumption that a defense that switch a 1-5 pick and roll is going to switch basically everything. Do you agree, coach? Yes. Okay, so after this, when your five is guarding the ball, this player is going to be helping, you know, stunting and worrying about the ball. And so this player is going to be setting a flare and they're going to switch. So he's going to play. Remember the concept of the touch screen that we said before? Mm-hmm. Touch and go away. Fenerbahce, when he was coached by Obradovic, they were stealing one or two baskets per game in this way. Because against like this switching defense, they were doing this. Bam, bam. Or sometimes there were like two players went inside with him and he was open in the corner, completely open for the three. Like it's super, it seems super simple. You cannot run this as your primary tool, obviously, because the defense will, will understand it and blah, blah, blah. But if once in a while, when the guard is dribbling, it's one of the rare concepts when 
the more static the action is, the better it is, because the defense is all worried. Oh, now the guard is going to attack. The guard is going to attack. I'm here. I'm able. I'm able to help. Bam. You punish them by doing something else. I hope coaches will go back and look at this because especially at, at the level that I coach at college and then high school as well, we complain about our teams not finding the mismatches and we think it's as easy as we just find a height height disadvantage or a size disadvantage. And then I think that we think that we either pull that player out on an island and then just let them go one-on-one or we should go down into the post and then just throw it down into the post and back a player down, I guess, and score on them or something like that. But especially the way that the game is played now, we don't like ISOs, so we don't like it when they pull out a big man and go at them. And then we also don't really practice post-ups. But these are very, I feel like, somewhat simple ways if you if you work on this for them to identify. Because as more teams are now switching, this should be one of the things that we focus on frequently in our in our practices. And I think that these tech, these strategies give them some very practical, simple things for their players to do without just, okay, if there's a mismatch, throw the ball to the mismatch and let them go one-on-one or throw the ball down into the post and let them go score in the post. I, I completely agree. I think we have different tools and uh, I will try for the only audio listener to describe the clip. What's happened is that there is a five-out spacing after the switch with the playmaker guarded by the center and you have the corner player run and set a flare slash back screen to the wing and when the defense switch that, it's an immediate touch and dive at the rim. And this is the way they create mismatch opportunity. Okay, now, second part, I will try to be quicker. On the mismatch inside, if we want to attack the mismatch inside, the first thing that we have to realize and to teach our big man is to try to hold one side. So in this clip that you see, the defense is able to go under immediately. And so sometimes in Europe, you want to avoid early sleep. So you go under, you try to push, and now you go, don't, something that we teach to our big man is don't stop right inside the paint. You want to bury him under the smile and take it where you don't have to make more than one dribble because otherwise the defense will collapse on you. The other idea that sometimes big men struggle to understand is that when they switch on you, the best thing you can do sometimes is if they fight to go in front, you let them go in front. But as we said before, win the space. If the defender is over you, you don't need to roll under the smile, as we said before. It's a completely different space. You have to hold him. You can stop your roll as high as almost the free throw line. And all that space below you is a space where they can throw the ball and you can grab it and dunk it. And if somebody is going to come up, out from the weak side, Okay, it's going to be a skip for them and a tech close up. So something that we say too often is that the big don't accept the front. They try to go in the blocks. They try to go fighting for that same old low post position against the guard. Sometimes if they switch really aggressively, you have a big man in front of you. It's not going to be easy for you to throw that perfect lob pass if the defend if the offensive player, your teammate, is is trying to ask for the lob. So you can pass the ball to the top of the key, create a triangle, and having somebody else throw the ball at him. This spacing that you see is, I will describe it, it's a classical side picker roll, top picker roll situation, is for us one of the foundation where we want to attack a switching defense. Because what you do is that 
have a first pick roll with the empty corner. They cannot scram switch with the defender in the strong side full corner. The ball goes immediately to the middle of the floor. And when one ball, one big man is against a switch down low, the other is running up to set a screen. So the second big man has to decide. He cannot stay inside to help or to protect the lob because it will be late in the pick and roll. It's going to be a two-on-one two situation for a long time. And so either the lob is going to be open if the big man does a good job asking for the ball, sealing his defender, blah, blah, or is uh, going to create a two-on-one on the pick and roll situation. And this concept that you see written down here, it's something that I'm sure you're familiar with that as well. We want, and before we were speaking about concepts that are familiar in all our system of offense. So this is true in all the things that we do. In pick and roll, post up, off screen, we want to punish who helps. So we will see a clip of that. In, in defense, sometimes, you know, we speak about helping the helper. And on offense, we want to keep the initiative and punish the second help, like punish the helper. It's the opposite of that. The same for... Imagine every situation, you don't have to see the specific clip where the big man is fronted because they switch and the guard is able because the guard is super quick to go in front of the big. Now you have to ask you a simple question. Okay, if it's fronted, I'm going to throw the lob pass. Okay, maybe I can. Why I can't throw the lob pass? Because there's somebody helping from the weak side. Okay, now who is helping and how can I punish him? The simple ways to punish him is if he's helping in the paint, make a and flash cut at the nail, at the free throw area. And then I'm going to be able to throw that easy high-low pass. We can see many different clips of that. And something that you will see, and I read that we, I swear, we teach in our warm-up, sometimes we do this, is, okay, when the flash cut is coming to the nail, if the defender is following the flash, the flash cut because you want to deny it, you can simply throw the lob at that point. And the mind... The thought process that they have to do is, okay, who is helping? Somebody's helping, I pass to his man. He, now his man is overplayed, somebody's going to be open. In this situation, you will see a mismatch, and they are doing a good job. They are fighting in front. There is a flash cut at the nail. I will describe everything. But on the flash cut at the nail, the defender of the top player is helping on the flash cut. He is collapsing inside. So there is like a third line of help. So what would they do is pass the ball to that offensive player guarded by the defender on top with helping. And it's very hard. This is a great defense. Not all the time the offense is able to do this, to see all the steps. But we, are, we should teach our players to think in these terms. Because it seems super hard on paper, but it's super easy for them to see, okay, who's helping? That, bam, that pass over there. And it's also good for teaching spacing concept because... If my man is helping, how can I punish his help? If I stay here, he's able to help and recover on me without paying a price. They should not be able to do anything without paying the price in a capitalistic society. <laughs> so they have to pay for it. This spacing, you will, you will see it on the video, but I will describe it. It's a situation where the defense switch, and now everybody else, all the other four players are above the free throw line. Imagine this spacing. Before when we said about the spacing to attack uh, outside mismatch, we say, okay, there is one guard here, one guard, 1.5 gap away, and three players on the baseline. Now we have a spacing that is not a good basketball spacing, but we have four players very close to each other above the free throw line. 
but one big man alone against a guard in the nail, in the, sorry, in the smile. And it's very easy to pull, to throw the ball to him. This is seems simple, but it's, it's not, it's not easy to teach our player to do that. I really like the idea of punishing the help because too many players will just stand still and for the sake of spacing, feel like they don't want to make a cut or don't exactly know where to make the cut. But as you just showed, making the cut to space often then pulls another help defender, which then can create the advantage that the defense was just trying to take away. So, oh man, that, I'm, that's a ton of great stuff. For those that weren't able to watch this, you need to go back and watch the video because Coach did a great job of explaining it. But I think that once you see it, it will make even more sense. I was quite quiet throughout because I'm just sitting there thinking about how I can implement these into our offense. Um, I think that probably if they read the title of this they thought okay well just switching in ball screens but as defenses offenses become more complex defenses try to annul that advantage and so what's the next level level to it and i think a lot of this is the next level and really like you said i, I don't feel like they're extremely difficult concepts i don't know necessarily especially if you're coaching at a lower level that you need to introduce all of them but no, you, I, I will speak with you don't. I, I'm teaching at a professional level, like second league in Italy. It's a pretty good level. We have to import some American player. We didn't teach all of that. Mm. We we are not, and we don't think we will, especially in the first months of the season. Maybe we will later. And I think it's better to have some tools, but perfectly, like perfectly sharpened, than to have a, a toolkit full of, of tools, but they are rusty. How can I say it? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And as I think about it, too, I'm thinking about I see more of certain types of coverages like helping on the helper in the post um, or helping the front. I see more of certain situations. So like for us, sending that weak side guy in the corner, cutting to the nail would be something that that I would want to do. But I don't necessarily know if there were two or three other things that that we would do within our offense because we don't see either help coming from those areas on the floor or or even like we don't post a lot of times our bigs which we may might after i watch this but um you know there, there are certain things i think that's where we started with like what fits within your offense that you're already doing where you can add just like that little tweak or that little extra like you said tool that you can maybe um think can get you an advantage it depends on your level, obviously, but I think a good question for us as coaches is we have to understand when do we want to facilitate the life for our, the life for our players so we take decision away from them because we want them to focus on other decisions. So let's say that is the second game of the season. You work a lot on your basic principle, your skills, your coverage solutions against drop, pick and roll, blah, 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 zone offense, and they play a switching defense. Maybe what you're going to do is throw up a quick play that make switching harder. Maybe that is automatic to do a specific tool, but to do it without reading too much, but as an automatic. Hmm. Maybe later in the season, you will build, you will build on that and create a read system. I think that sometimes we, we would like to put read on everything. Our ability as coaches should be to say, okay, you need to focus on this. So you need to focus on these, for example, uh, pick and roll reads. So we're not going to play five different screens before the pick and roll, and you have to read all of those screens. It's going to be impossible for you in this moment. Maybe you will in six months, in a year. Now you're going to play a simple pick and roll, 
and if you're gonna try to punish the different coverages without thinking about other 10 things. I'm sure that there are coaches after hearing this who would love to connect with you if they're not already and may even have some more questions about things. And you talked about even having like your YouTube page, um, that presentation, I'll try to, we'll try to get it from you and put it up so that they can see it and put that in the show notes too. But where is the best place for them to connect with you? They can write me on Twitter. My DMs are open. And as, as people say, my DMs are open and, uh, I'm late to respond, but I will respond to everybody. Uh, it's already depends which the moment of the week, how much am I scouting for my own team, but I will, I will answer to everybody. And I love to talk basketball. I would love to share. I, there are a lot of videos about what we're doing with my team at the moment that I cannot put on Twitter because, you know, there's tactical content that I don't want to go around in our league, but I'm glad to share with coaches from the US because gladly they want uh, spy behind my back with some other Italian coaches. Let's hope that. That's Coach Francesco Nani, assistant coach for Scafati. Coach, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It was my pleasure, Tony. Do it again very soon, before two years this time. It was a pleasure. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out. Thank you.